Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. John Carter Cash wasn't a boy named Sue, but he was the only son of country legends Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash. Today, on Father's Day, I'm bringing back our chat from 2016 when he published his father's poetry in the book Forever Words, The Unknown Poems. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Jason, it's great to talk to you. I'm really glad to, glad to be on the line with you. Excited about... Uh, about a lot of things coming up. <laughs> All right. Well, we can get into some of those other things, but first, let's dive into. Yeah. You have an awesome book here. It's called Forever Words: uh, The Unknown Poems uh, that Your Father Wrote. Um, what inspired you to to put this together? Were the were the poems sort of uh, you know laying around the house, or how, you know how did you stumble upon the poems, and then how did you decide to say, hey, let's make it a book? Well, my father was a prolific writer, and he had various notebooks, and, you know, writing some pieces of paper that were tucked away and, and whatnot. Um, you know, that, that when he passed away, we went through his office and there were all these different writings. And, uh, of course, there were perhaps over 200 of these various writings. Um, but in going through them, I realized that there were some beautiful words here, that there was, there was a story told within, uh, uh, within this, that, um, you know, within these words, in a way that had never been, you know, stated before. And, um, you know, it struck me as something beautiful. It struck me as, as um, as unique, and it was exciting to see this, and I believe that it was something that Dad wanted, that he would have liked to have seen released if it was put together in the right, right way. And um, it was profound. It showed all aspects of his character, who he was, in different ways uh, that I felt like, you know, was a unique way to say it. Yeah, you said sort of, uh, you know, as you're going through these and putting it, compiling it, um, it sort of told a story about about the man and the and the artist. Um, you know, what if if well, our certainly. if our listeners grab a copy of this and you know and they're reading through these poems, um, what sort of story that you mentioned uh, do you think comes out about your father that that maybe we don't know? Well, for one thing, he, he you know he was a man of light and laughter, and I, I think that's not as as well recognized sometimes, and, and that's definitely in here. There's views into, you know, the very nature of, of his darkness and shortcomings also that are within these pages. Um, and there's a lot of insight into the light of the great endurance of his character that, you know, at the end of his life, in the face of adversary loss and seemingly unsurmountable pain, uh, and, you know, the physical frailties he had that, of course, would overwhelm him, that he still continued, that his, you know, with even close upon preternatural endurance, he he faced these darknesses, and his light and strength shone. So, um, so anyway, it was it's a beautiful thing. It truly is. 
Totally. Um, yeah, you must. It must just bring up so many emotions going through it. And and the thing I love about it is, um, you you like sort of superimpose these, um, the actual handwritten um images that of of mm-hmm. your dad. You know, his scribbled yeah. on the pages. Um, come take me into sort of the idea behind that. It's just uh, instead of you know printed text to to actually see his actual pen strokes. Yeah, yeah. You know it. You know, in the world we live today, it's like everybody types. You know, my father hand wrote things, and so many, you know, great writers did. And I believe it probably is something lost now. Yeah. Um, I believe there's much to be seen within the handwritten document, uh, the person's character, of you know who they were. Um, and my father's handwriting through the years changed, and so when you when you look at his handwriting, you can see uh, the changes that occur, maybe at the times of. of travail that he was going through or uh, you know or when the writing is more structured and, and tighter together and then at the in the last writings you know his eyesight was nearly gone so it's evident when when you look at those so i believe there's there's much to be seen you know within the handwriting itself it's uh it's like his soul just all in the margins it's it's fantastic looking at that um what um do you have a do you have a favorite poem in there if uh, you've probably seen them all a million times but which ones do you sort of gravitate to you know, I mean, there's there's so many that stand out to me. Um, I love "Don't Make a Movie About Me," which is sort of tongue in cheek. How ironic! You know, but, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Or, or may, perhaps um, I love I love the I heard it on the news, which is quite a profound insight. I said I heard on the news that there was a lull in the fighting in Vietnam. Um, it talks about how that they shut down the war on both sides to go to plant the rice crops. Um, and then in the end, he says, um, "What kind of animal is man that he would pause in his killing to go about the business of preparing, preparing for the living, knowing that he will ultimately return to the business of killing?" Man, it's so profound. But I have to say that probably my my favorite is uh, the one that's on the back of the book. Uh, you tell me that I must perish like the flowers that I cherish. Nothing remaining of my name, nothing remembered of my fame. But the trees that I planted still are young. The songs I sing will still be sung. And that was written just days before he passed away. And in the face of the fact that he'd lost my mother and he was moving uh, on out of this world, and he knew it was coming very soon, um, that he still could see the light of hope and the endurance of, uh, of, the, you know, of the goodness of his legacy. Oh my, yeah, man, that that just gave me chills right there. Talk, I mean, right just before his passing, he, he says that the trees are planted and his songs will still be sung. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, tell me about you know, obviously because you had a bunch of um, you had a bunch of half siblings with Roseanne and the rest, but you were their own, their only child um, by by those two. And um, you know, what was it like sort of growing up with them? I mean, we know Johnny Cash the the stage presence, but how was he you know on the home front as as a father, and how was she as a mom well you know uh, he he was he he was always always like my best friend growing up he truly was mm-hmm. um you know and and we spent a lot of time spent a lot of time fishing doing uh, outdoors activities and whatnot and mm-hmm. um i got to travel on the road with them a great deal you know i went from city to city with them i've been to 26 countries by the time i was four years old <laughs> and just had a chance to really see the world you know, and to meet a lot of people and uh, make great friends that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to otherwise. 
You were a globe-trotting toddler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. I was. They brought me with them everywhere. <laughs> he never brought you to. Fo- he never brought you to Folsom Prison, though, did he? <laughs> well, he, he he showed it to me from the outside, but they wouldn't bring the, you know, the toddler in Folsom. Wow. What did he What did he say from the outside? Like, what do you remember that moment? Not not really. Not from when I was young. I remember driving past it in the bus, um, and them talking about it. But I, I never. I actually had a chance to go into. San Quentin the other day yeah. and do a tour of the, of the prison itself, and um, that was amazing. That's awesome. Um, that is awesome. Yeah, but uh, but not with my dad. Gotcha. Um, is it true that um, that he that after your birth he would tinker the lyrics to to Boy Named Sue when he would perform it? Well, at the end of the song, of course, the original lyric. And if I ever had a boy, yeah. Bill or George, Bill or Frank <laughs> or George or whatever. But he would say, if I ever had a boy, and he said, well, actually, I did have a boy, and here he is, John Carter Cash. And he'd bring me up on stage, and I would take a bow oh. uh, from the moment that I could walk until I was probably seven. And um, and so, yeah, yeah, he he would bring me up and, and say, thank God he didn't name me Sue. <laughs> you were the boy named Sue. That's fantastic. That's... No, I was the boy that was not named Sue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could have been Bill or George or anything but Sue, but you got John. That's cool. It's a perfect name. Yeah. Didn't you? And I think um, he and your mom recorded a song um, about you, right? I got a boy. His name's John. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 Back in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And one of those in the children's album that he did. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know that you. Um, I know that you also, um, you know, your, your country and, and folk and otherwise, uh, like artists in your own right, you, you became a music producer for your mom's Grammy-winning album, Press On, and uh, you've produced uh-huh. a bunch of other people, Loretta Lynn and Brooks and Dunn, George, the list goes on and on, George Jones. Um, what was it like sort of collaborating in that sense um, with your mom? Oh, you know, it, it, was her, it was due time that she had the opportunity to go in and make her own music. I mean, it was, it was. <laughs> It was a beautiful thing that she was able to do this, and um, you know, and I mean, and my father was that right there with her in the studio when she did Press On and Wildfire, which both went on to win Grammys. So it was, and he was supportive of her, um, you know, and she was an accomplished artist, most definitely, you know, unto her own right, and uh, deserves the recognition and the respect. And you wrote her um, her biography, Anchored in Love, which became a, a lifetime movie, Ring of Fire. Um, how did that Ring of Fire and the other one, obviously, Walk the Line, we all know, won an Oscar. But which of those two was sort of closer to the real experience that, that you remember? Well, as, a, as, a, you know, as, as having actually been there, you, you, you can't have a, a 32-hour movie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, and you, you'd have to... Uh, You'd have to have a 32-hour movie to really tell the whole story. I mean, there's so much, yeah. so much to it, you know. Yeah. Um, Walk the line unto itself. Um, it, it painted an accurate and beautiful picture of my parents' love affair, and that's about all the two hours could afford to, to do. My, there was, there was, there was a good bit that was not touched on my, the depths of my father, father's um, spiritual character. Uh, he and his, my mother's intellectual connections. I mean, there was so much that couldn't be done within two hours, but uh, but it did tell a beautiful love story, and it told it accurately. Um, also, the, the the Ring of Fire film, I feel that Jewel did wonderful um, in her in her uh, presentation as June Carter Cash, and so um, I'm 
I greatly adore Jewel, and I think she did a great job. Yeah, it's almost like when you set out to make those movies, you, you have to just pick a small slice and try to capture the essence yeah. of the larger picture, but only the, you know through a small window, I guess. Yeah, and I think it was done well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we have this whole book of awesome poems here that your dad scrawled on sheets of paper and probably napkins and whatever else around the house. But uh, his his songs themselves were were pure poetry too. What you know, whether it was stuff he wrote, yeah. whether it was stuff he wrote, or like even other people, like you know, Sunday morning coming down was a Chris Iverson thing he wrote, right? But man, the lyrics in that, like <laughs> you know, the smelling the fried chicken and playing with the can, oh, he was kicked like, oh my god, that song just like give, it gives you goosebumps. Yeah. How Talk sort and of if you think about also his his song Big River. It, it most definitely mm-hmm. it, it's something that he penned himself. And uh, yeah. Bob Dylan himself cites my father as one of America's greatest poets, and and then mentions Big River. Uh, you know, the, taught the weeping willow how to cry, showed the clouds how to cover up a clear blue sky. You know, Tears I cried for that woman are going to flood you, Big River, and I'm going to sit right here until I die. That's pretty strong lyrics, you know, and it's it's poetry. And and, and my dad had a way of saying things simply, but just as Beautifully and just as accurately, accurately as any as any great poet, you know, and you know, cut from the very roots of the American soil. Yeah, it's 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 like it's he's like a Dylan. I mean, those people, and I know Dylan just got, I think, like a Nobel Peace Prize, and everyone there was a whole hubbub of whether a songwriter should get it. But it's true, like these great songwriters, like Dylan and your father, and you know, a few others are they rise to the level of poets. It's great. Um, take me sort of into the into those final um those final days uh with with your father and um how he how he still pulled an amazing song like that the cover of Hurt. I mean, he takes a Nine Inch Nails song and makes that even watching that video of Hurt will will bring you to tears and that strum of that guitar just cuts to your soul but talk to me about Hurt and uh, and, and sort of your the end of your dad's life. Well you know my, my father's endurance through through the last days of his life when, when his, his body was was giving up was due to a few different things uh, his faith in God his, his faith that the beauty would endure and that and you can listen to the American recordings records that hurt him all the way through American Six, and you can hear a steady decline in his physical strength. But I believe if you listen more carefully, you can hear a rise in strength within his very spirit, within the nature of who he was. Um, you know, and and somewhat accumulation of that endurance even uh, was after my mother passed away. On the way home from the cemetery, my dad turned to me and said, I have to get in the studio. Four days later, we were recording, and it's within these words uh, that he wrote the poem "Forever" that's at the end of the book on the back page. You know, the trees I planted still are young. The songs I sing will still be sung. I mean, those words endure, and that's that's a a life statement that he made. You know, to continue uh, in the face of adversary, in the face of pain. That you know, he did not only endure; he flourished. And uh, what a beautiful thing! Awesome. Well, that's the perfect place to leave it. John Carter Cash, thanks so much for for joining us again. The book is uh, Johnny Cash Forever Words: The Unknown Poems. Uh, thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks so, so much. much. Good talking to you. I also spoke with Johnny Cash's daughter from a previous marriage when country legend Roseanne Cash performed at Strathmore in 2019. Roseanne, thanks so much for taking time to join us. Hi, Jason. My pleasure. Now, so if our listeners come to the Strathmore, what exactly are we going to see here? I know the title of the show, She Remembers Everything, is all about your you know, your new album after your triple Grammy winner, The River and the Thread. Now you have your new one, She Remembers Everything. Um, explain sort of you know, what this new album is like, and are you going to also mix in any of the classics in the show, too? 
Oh, sure. I, I always pull things from my catalog and some things from River and the Thread. And it's actually my second time at the Strasbourg, and I really love that venue. You know, it's like women my age still have a lot to say. We have less time to say it. I, I keep saying the album is kind of gothically feminine. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> About a lot of subjects that are consuming me right now, like uh, mortality, rage, long-term relationship, you know, journeys. Awesome. And then, of course, you mentioned you're going to mix in a couple of your biggest hits, of course. You know, Seven Year Ache is the first one that comes to mind. Um, remind our listeners where you were when you wrote that one. How did that one actually come to you? Because that's, you know, that always makes the list of the, the best hundred country songs ever, you know. Uh, take me back to when that actually came together in in 81. Oh, uh, well, you know, I was 23 years old and hiccups and breakups. <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better term. And that was, I was on Ventura Boulevard, and, and I thought, God, there's never been a country song about being on the street. So it started as a long poem, and then it ended at seven or eight. Awesome. And um, we won't go through your whole catalog, but I don't know why you don't want me. Obviously, another <laughs> another big Grammy winner. Um, just re- remind us, um, uh, you know, how that one came together. Um, I was nominated for a Grammy in 84, and I was and so I started writing this very tongue-in-cheek lyric about, well, I got my new dress, I don't know why you don't want me. And then I finished the song next year at one of Grammy, Ultimate of Irony. <laughs> Poetic justice. Ironic. <laughs> yeah. Um, you got to take us back. Of course, um, take me all the way back to um, growing up when you first fell in love with music. Um, obviously, you were you know, pretty much born... <laughs> born to do that um the oldest daughter of johnny cash um memories of him growing up um and um you know I'm, you're obviously asked that all the time but what, what's what is he sort of like you know behind the scenes and and nurturing you know it's got to be crazy growing up with a legend like that as a dad but you know behind the scenes how did he sort of nurture you musically just as or just as a regular old dad well that's a longer conversation um but you know i Music was always around my house, and when I started writing songs, he was as any good parent should be, encouraging, just like, that's great, keep going. Um, It wasn't a professional advice he gave me then, and that's exactly as it should have been, you know, an encouraging, supportive dad. Absolutely. But I just think it's it's so great that you've, you know, charted your own career in your own right since then. You know, there's a lot of people that would just follow in the footsteps and that would be their whole claim to fame. But you, you're just, you're Roseanne Cash all in your own right. You know, you're a legend in your own right. So it's just fascinating. And I hope people come out to the Strathmore, um, you know, just sort of in closing, if they, if they hear this interview, why should they come out? Well, the new songs from She Remembers Everything and... At this point, after 40 years, I think that it's a key moment in my life, and I think we need it. I think we need art and music more than we ever have. So come out and let's uh, do it together. Absolutely. And before you go, just a quick teaser for listeners, too. Uh, The musical you're writing with your husband, John Leventhal, um, based on the awesome movie Norma Rae. We remember her standing up with that union sign at the textile factory in the Martin Ritt movie. Um, Give us a little teaser of that. So you guys are still writing the musical? Where are we in that process, and what are we going to hear selections of? Uh, Not much. I mean, I may do a song from that, but we're almost finished writing it. We're five years into it. It's uh, the story of this woman's trans transformation kind of framed by union organized and you know writing a musical is a whole different animal than writing an album so i kind of it was challenging it's fun 
with an education, and hopefully we'll get it staged next year. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to that. Thanks so much. You've been really generous with your time. Thank you, Jason. See you soon. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.